How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where you have to eliminate the excuses. You're going to make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. Hey, everybody's happy that it's Friday and I screwed up and didn't fix my screen. Look at this. See, that, that's problems with going live. See, if I edited it, I could have edited that right out. But when you're live, you just have to take it on the chin and keep on moving. All right, so this is episode number 86. So my original guest canceled, but that's all right because a family member came into the rescue. But we're going to get there in one second because, you know, I have to pimp the new show. Okay, it's going to start in June 7th. It's going to be a debate show, but it's going to be a debate show unlike anyone you've ever seen. So we're going to keep the topics. They're going to be controversial topics, but we're going to have rational discussions because we're going to prove that we can have tough talks without acting like teenagers. So this show is going to debut on the 7th, and we're going to discuss should critical race theory be taught in grade school. So that's going to be a good talk. I have five panelists already lined up, so tune in if you can. And this one is going to be exclusively on YouTube. Because right, I kind of want to keep it separate from this show. Because, as I said, we're going to have controversial topics. And, you know, all the Facebook trolls out there would love to, uh, you know, poke, poke holes at, at people. So I want to keep that one its own separate entity. So that one's going to be exclusively on YouTube. So Grind Gear, you guys know, shut up and grindgear.com. You got shirts, we got masks, we got mugs, hats, everything. Like, you name it, we have it. So that's shutupandgrindgear.com. So today might may be a bit of a tearjerker because we're going to talk about my niece's journey from becoming a mom, finding out that her son was ill, and then ultimately losing him at the age of two, two years old. And I was at that funeral and I saw something completely amazing that she did. And she stood up there strong and gave the most amazing eulogy I've ever heard in my life for a mom with her child about eight feet away from her laying in a casket. Like, I still, to this moment, don't know how she got up there and did what she did. But we're going to bring her on and we're going to find out how. All right. So welcome my niece, Shantae Foster. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? It's going. Today is yeah. a day. Yeah. Good, good, good. Thank you for the, the last minute ad. As I said earlier, my original guest canceled. So I've been dying to get her on, on the show. And I don't want to do it so fresh after the funeral. So I figured, I mean, I'm sure there's never a good time, but <laughs> I just figured you had some more time now to process everything. Yeah. You know. But before before we dive into all that, it, like I said, I always ask the first question is just 
who is Shantae? Just give give us a background of who you are. So who is Shantae? Shantae? Besides being blessed to be my niece. True, true, true. <laughs> I would con- I've asked myself this question before. So at first, I'm I'm just a loving soul that's here having a human experience. I really believe that. Um, I pride myself in spirituality and soul work. So who is Shantae? I'm just a loving being that's here for the, the experience of life, friends, family, the good, the bad, and um, encouraging and inspiring when I can. That's pretty much it in a nutshell, you know? Come I love on. that. Loving so, soul, friends. having a human experience. I love yeah. that. Absolutely love that. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Your your cousin, your cousin's on, drop dropping you some hearts over here. Cousin. <laughs> love it. All right. So you find so you find out that that you're pregnant, right? So take me, take me through that. Okay. So I'm gonna give you the raw and uncut. That's right. That's that's what we do here. So I was I was uh 33. And um, I'm I'm found out I'm pregnant and yeah. uh, nervous as hell because uh, as we all know having a baby is life changing and of course I'm getting older and you know society with the clock and all this and all of that mm-hmm. and I'm married you know the ideal things I was very nervous um, yes. I was nervous and I I'm not I'm not usually a nervous person because of I have I have this belief that what you fear you face. So I try not to to um, carry like fears, but yes. just coming a mom and I would I mean, I was pretty well off for a single female in New York City, you know, doing what I have to do. But it was still like a whoa, you know, yeah. it, um, his dad, he was um, he was probably nervous, too. Now, he didn't tell me how much nervous he was, but I'm mm. sure he was. But this wasn't his first child. This was my first child. So this was definitely going to be like changing for me. Nevertheless, in all my nervousness, I prayed. So I prayed and I said, um, I'm here for it. You know, um, I enjoyed every single bit of being pregnant. Um, I had a good pregnancy, um, no health issues. Um, I was cute because, you know, sometimes women get pregnant and they be messing up and stuff. But so I'm excited about that. Um, my my family was very excited, you know, especially my mom. I'm the oldest of seven. I'm the second oldest of seven, okay. and so everybody was actually waiting. Like, when is she gonna have a baby? When is she mm-hmm. gonna have a baby? And right, the time is never right, right? But it happened, and so I'm thankful that it happened because we know a lot of people struggle with pregnancy and stuff. So it's a gift, and I always knew and recognized having a child is a gift, you know. Absolutely. So I was grateful for that. Um, and then um, we had the baby shower. The baby shower was amazing. And then it was um, labor and delivery time. And I was nervous as heck in the hospital. I, if, I, if I get another baby, I wouldn't want to do the hospital again. I would want to do more midwifery or home birthing or something like that because I was, over, I was overdue. I was 42 weeks, actually. So they induced okay. my labor when I had Noah. So I went in the hospital at July 8th. I love to eat and when you're in the hospital and you're on the bed you can't eat you can't do nothing because they're preparing you for what ifs and it's just like mm. what's happening i have a healthy baby everything <laughs> is okay let me eat i snuck and i ate a bagel shouldn't have did that because i end up regurgitating it this is mm. why they told me i can't eat 
Um, but that experience was, you know, eye opening. I was the room was full of support. All my girls were there. <clears throat> Fine. Um, I end up having a C section because I was over it. The bed was uncomfortable. They won't let me get up. I've been here since July eighth. It's July tenth. What's happening? They broke my water and no one went to sleep. What is going on, kid? He would not move from the top of my belly. I was not dilating. So they were like, well, all the methods that they tried. So I was like, I'm over it. My doctor was like, you sure we can wait? I was like, I am over it. Get him out of me so we can just get some sense of normalcy going on, you know? Yes. So that went well. Thank God. Noah came out a healthy seven pounds, 14 ounce baby on July 10th. I think that's um, what I was. I'm pretty sure I was 714. Nice. Anyways, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was excited, and then, um, and then I met him, and because you know, since I had the C-section, they put you in the room until you kind of recover, and I recovered pretty fast. And yeah. then I was like, "Okay, where's my baby?" And he was like, "You want us to keep him in the room with you?" And I was like, "Absolutely." And um, he opened his eyes, and when he opened his eyes, my heart dropped. Like literally, I never forget. Like it was like a scary feeling. Like oh, and it was like he's looking at me like, "Hey, lady, who are you?" <laughs> but uh, you know, I began my breastfeeding journey, which was great too, because at first I wasn't getting milk, like most mothers know. When you first when you first push them out, I'm getting a little bit, and I'm thinking it's not enough, even though the doctors are telling me it's enough. So I tried to give him the Similac because I was like, this baby is used to eating out and starved him out for two days, even though that's not true neither. But you know, yeah. in my brain, that's what I was thinking. And then, um, but I end up getting milk. I had to leave him in the hospital for one day because he had jaundice. Mm -hmm. So that was like the first sense of your baby in this world and you're about to walk away and leave him in the hospital, you know? And then I wasn't getting enough milk. This is, this is, nobody knows this. I wasn't getting enough milk to leave him in the hospital for a day. And I didn't want, I didn't want him to have Similac. So yeah. my sister who just had a baby six months ago, who was also a breastfeeder, who was in the hospital with me, actually pumped some of her milk for me to leave in the hospital for the baby. She was like, I feel like I'm cheating on the test for you. But it was <laughs> actually like Noah's first milk. He had my colostrum, but his first milk was actually from his auntie. Okay. So, and she was in the room with me when I had the C-section or whatever. So that was like good sister love moment. Yeah. And yeah, let me let me jump in real quick. Okay. All right. So, because like as you were talking, that brought me back to when CJ was born, my my oldest. For those that don't know, yeah, because he was he was early. He was, I believe, he was at born at thirty five weeks, and it was kind kind of an emergency. Like, and I, I don't think I've I've told this on the air before, but he, uh, I, I remember I had just polished off a bottle of wine, and I had just I had just fallen asleep, and. His mom, like, she taps me on the shoulder and she's like, babe, she's like, babe, I'm like, what? Because, you know, when you just fall asleep, yeah. you yeah. ain't trying to be bothered That's at it. all. Right. So she's like, babe, she's like, I'm bleeding. And I said, get a Band-Aid because <laughs> she because she was mellow about it. You know, right. so I, I thought like, you know, she cut herself. And she, again, she's shaking me. It's like I'm bleeding. And I turn over and her midsection was just covered in blood. Now, and talk about an instant sober. I was like, oh my God. You know, so, so I jumped up and obviously I got I got dressed. I grabbed her I grabbed uh, her daughter. Now she was a little hellion at the time. Mm -hmm. And Casey, if you're listening to this, yes, I'm talking to you. 
And so, but she was a little hellion back then. So I remember I snatched her out of bed and I was like, don't say a word, get dressed, put your shoes on. We need to leave. She's like, um, okay. And she was like, I don't know, four or five maybe at that time. And so we ended up making it to the hospital. And, you know, so now I'm panicking because from what I saw, right, I'm panicking. So we get in there, you know, and they're all nonchalant and just have a seat. I'm like, have a seat. I'm like, no, no, get her back there. I was like, I'll give you the information you need, but get her back there. So they get her back there. They ended up keeping her for 13 days before they induced her because this was actually before 35. So I think this was 33 weeks. So they wanted to try to keep them in a little bit longer. And so I remember... So what what happened? What caused the bleeding? She had a bleed. It's called placenta previa, I think. But her placenta was pulling away from from the uterus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's what was causing the bleeding. And so when it came time for him to be born, it's like the same thing. So he comes out. You know, they cut the umbilical cord and they just take him off into another room. And I'm starting to follow. And they were like, oh, sir, you can't come in here. Now, they had all, like, all the students in there. So, like, when he was born, it was, like, 15 people in the room. Right. And I was like, if there's a chance that we could lose him, I'm going to see him while he's alive. That's you know, right. Because there, there was that thought that it could happen. And yeah. I, I went right into the room. And then, so, just like you were saying about the eyes opening. Yeah. So, like, you know, there, he's, he's crying with that little, like, he was four pounds, four ounces, you know, at birth. So, it's like a little... You know, it's <laughs> like one of those things. Yeah. And so, but then I see his eyes moving and I got right over his face and then same thing. He opened up his eyes and it just, it, that moment, it changes you. Yeah. You know, so like when, when you said that, like I felt every inch of it because that, that moment when you lock eyes for the first time, it definitely changes you. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Sure. All right. So back to you. Okay. So now we're home and um, we're, we're in the nitty gritty of, um, you know, motherhood. I for the first month I stayed with my mom because who better than mommy, right? Yep. I stayed with my mom and oh god, I had to get him circumcised. And I got I I mean I didn't have to, but I chose to get him circumcised. And then changing the diapers after that, I was like, Oh no, I told my mom, Hey, do all the diapers while that's still raw. She was like, You're gonna have to do it one day. Eventually I did it like two days later, but she gave him his first bath. She handled those diapers because it was a bit much for me. And um, I'm I'm pretty self-aware. So definitely I was paying attention to my feelings and stuff after having a baby. Shout out to all mothers because you really do go, you, you have, it's just a whole bunch of different emotions that's running through you on top of you being a mother and making sure that the baby is okay. Like things that you might process that you don't even talk about. This is why postpartum is a real thing. You know, yes. I mean the, the, the influctuation of the hormones and stuff, you know? Yep. So anyhow, um, everything went well. And, um, you know, I, I just enjoyed being a mother. I was very happy that I finally had a little person that I, mm-hmm. I'm i going to help condition and mold to some degree. But again, always wanting my motivations to be love-based and not control-based or fear-based. Because, you know, sometimes people can have a mindset that I'm the parent, so I know better. And to some degree, you do. But, like, I'm a firm believer that you can also learn from your children. Your children can also be your teachers, you know, even in the littlest moments, because 
Um, you even notice like it's like you have all these ideas and plans for him and what I want him to be in this. And then I had a pause and maybe a meditation moment where it's like, wait a minute, it's not what I want him to be. It's who he is. You know, it's let me see who he's going to bloom to be with the seeds and stuff that I'm going to give him. So I was very, you know, conscious of that. And I mean, still the beginning, but his personality started to come out very spoiled, very mama boy, very clingy. But also love, loving to be like on the go and to be around others. You know, um, since I'm the second oldest of seven siblings, I have experienced little people. And my siblings weren't always the friendliest. They were very reserved and back. But Noah was full throttle. A little scary, but full throttle once he got comfortable, you know? Yeah. And um and that was that was that was the dope thing about him. So I was I was pretty excited. I mean, I st- I'm still grateful that I had that experience. So fast forward, because two years is really not that long, but long. Um, you know, he didn't give me a hard time dropping him off the first time I put him in daycare because I stayed with him for six months before I went back to work. Yeah. And um, the first, the first I dropped him to no to daycare in November of twenty uh, eighteen, I think. So six months, no. No, not even 2019, I believe, because when I first went back to work, I had a sitter come into the house. I was fortunate to have a sitter come into the house. So no one ever had to leave. It wasn't until last year, November, actually, that he first started daycare. And that was like, oh, my God, because he cried when I left him. I was like, oh, my God, is he okay? I was calling my dad like, Dad, what's happening? You know, and then he was like, okay, he's going to cry. I would be texting the, the, uh, the lady like, is he okay? Can you send me a picture? Cut the cord, Shante, cut the cord. But, you know, you're so attached. And I, I remember calling my dad and my mom and saying, because I used to send my Noah to my mom's house because my niece, who they were six months apart, anytime she visited because they lived in Philly or whatever, I would always have them there so they can be there together. And um, But it's like I just kept thinking about him. My heartstrings were pulling, like, what's going on, baby? So I called my dad, and I'm like, when does this feeling go away? When do I stop thinking about him? And my dad is like, uh, it doesn't go away, daughter. He said, I think about you every day. I said, well, what do you think about me every day for? I don't think about you every day. And he said, we just care. We just want to make sure you're okay. You ain't making mm-hmm. bad And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, but it's overwhelming. But slowly but surely, thank God, I learned to deal with that kind of detach but yeah again because i'm i'm a person who practices spiritual things and it's mindful meditation i also practice the law of detachment meaning i love you but i can love you and let you go for times like this because if i wasn't detached this would have overlapped me like no other tomorrow because you know you don't you don't expect it but because I have learned practicing detachment with family, friends, jobs, anything, you know? Yeah. This is the beauty of life, right? It keeps going. Yeah, it's like, and and I think just with our family structure anyways, right? that we're we're pretty good. Like, like we can be apart for a couple years and then we see each other and it's like, we never, you know, like, exactly. Like, like we never left. We do that all the, all the time. Even with the family reunions, there, there were people... I would only see at the family reunion, right. but you would, you would never know, <laughs> you know? So like, yeah. that's, that's just how we are. Like I, I raised, well, ra- I'm still raising them, but raise my kids all the same way. It's like, be, it's like, I'm always close, but not overbearing. 
right. you know, to, to where they can't do stuff on their own. Like, for, fortunately, on my end anyway, like, I've never had, none of them had separation anxiety. Good. None of them did. It's like I said, like, I was always close, but I didn't baby them. Right. You know right. what I mean? And, and then, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, your, your dad, my brother, he's absolutely right. You you never stop thinking. I mean, CJ's 22. Like, he'll he'll go out, and I'm constantly like, don't do anything stupid. Be smart. Make good decisions. You know what I mean? And, and when Olivia was was living on campus at URI, same same thing. Just every every day, those thoughts are just, they're just there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, as a parent, that's what we're wired for. Right. You know? All right. So, moving right along now. So, we're going to move into, you know, we're just going to move into... The hospital, I guess. So, so Monday. Well, I mean, you can never say. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Hold on. This is this is my mom. Mom, nobody asked you. Okay. <laughs> you, you <have>. <laughs> Love you too, John. All right, go ahead. Continue. Right. Um. So now, uh, I, um, me and Noah, we're home. And he's displaying, well, Saturday morning, actually, because this is a week before. So it was almost kind of sort of like a two-week decline. So, again, perfectly healthy baby, born healthy. I took him to the doctor. We ran blood work before. And um, everything came back okay. When he turned two, he didn't necessarily get two-year-old, like, blood work yet because COVID had the world upside down. Yeah. Like, don't come to the hospital if you don't need to be in the hospital. And it was just, you know, I mean, we all know what life did. So yeah. he was okay. You know, he wasn't he wasn't displaying anything. But however the case, this Saturday I woke up and I made him Spider-Man pancake waffles because mm-hmm. he had just came home from my mom's house. And I'm, I'm always missing my baby. So I was like, yes, so my baby is home. We make you a good breakfast Saturday morning because, you know, I work. So we get full Saturdays and Sundays together. Yeah. So. When I made them, I said, Mommy bought you Spider-Man waffles. Look. And I made him the waffles. He sat at the table, but he wasn't eating, which is not like Noah because Noah eats. Mm-hmm. So um, I said, what's the matter with Mommy's baby? Why is he not eating his food? And he said, Noah's tired. So he went and he got in the bed and he slept. And I said, okay, maybe he's tired because we hung out Friday night and he missed his nap and us going out after work. So maybe he's extra tired. So he slept, slept, slept. So then when he woke up, I said, you ready to eat now? And I was taking him out. I was actually taking him to see his honorary godfather, which was um, outstanding during my pregnancy, you know, and the baby shower. And he had only seen Noah once and he bought Noah a gift. Every time he goes away, he brings Noah gifts back. And I was like, I'm going to make sure I get Noah to you this weekend. So Saturday when he woke up, um, I said, we're going to go outside. You want to eat? He still didn't want to eat. We went to his house. He still didn't want to eat. He got his toys. He played with them. He just stayed on me. Boom, that's Saturday. So Sunday, I'm like, okay, something's not going on with, right with my baby. I'm not going to work on Monday. I'm going to take him to the doctor. Because I got him to nibble like bananas and pineapples because, you know, keep him with fluids. He didn't have a fever, but he was just very fatigued and no appetite. Monday, I took him to the doctor. I took him to his primary care. They checked his ears. They said the glands was a little swollen and maybe a slight infection in his ear. And they gave me amoxicillin. I was like, do we need a COVID test, anything? Like, we sure? They're like, no, he's okay. Which she should have done more after the fact. So I told her, put me out. So 
I'm home with him Monday, Tuesday. I'm not going to return to work to Wednesday to try to get him back. But he really was still just sleepy and laying in the bed. He didn't really come out, which, again, it's not normal Noah. So Wednesday I went to work. I left him home with his dad. I'm calling his dad. You know, how is he or whatever. Um, he's like, he's all right. I'm like, did he eat? Give him banana? You know, typical mother stuff. Yeah. So um, when I came home, well, I, he ended up meeting me at the job Wednesday. So when we came home Wednesday, <clears throat> we was walking down the train station and he started to, like, you can tell that, you know, if your leg is hurting, so you use the other feet to walk down the stairs. Mm. And again, my child is a child that likes to be on the go, never cried to be in a stroll or nothing. So you can tell that he has some type of pain in his leg. So, because he had a slight limp. I'm like, Noah, why are you walking like that? He's like, no one legs hurt. So I'm like, um, I'm, we, get, we go home. I look at his leg, but I don't see no bruises or nothing. So I'm, I don't know why it hurts. Thursday, you take him to urgent care to say, um, you know, he's complaining about his leg. Can I give him an x-ray? So that doctor tells me, well, maybe you should take him to the hospital because since he has, they tested him for strep throat and they said he came back positive. Okay. So they said maybe we have to rule out rheumatoid arthritis because sometimes babies can get the joint pains but take him to the emergency room because um, they have better CT scans and stuff to do than the local urgent care. So I said, no problem. So I'm a mom that's pro my kids' feelings. So I'm like, and he was already fatigued, and we know the emergency room can be like an all-nighter. So it was like, how does Noah feel? Do Noah want to go to the second doctor today? And he was like, no, Noah just wants to go home. So I honored it, which I'm grateful, you know, and I let him go home. I called my supervisors and I was like, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. No time mm -hmm. or not. I'm staying home with my baby because something is not right, you know? Yeah. And you're kind of feeling in your heart. You don't know what it is, but you know something's wrong. Yeah. So um, Friday morning now, um, it's me and his dad. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my shower, drink my coffee, and then I'm going to take him to the emergency room. And again, I don't really have hospital experiences or nothing like that. Thank God I wasn't, I never had those experiences for myself. So, um, so I made my coffee and I opened up the patio. And when he woke up, I said, let me try to give him some Motrin for his pain, you know, just to get him a little, to at least eat breakfast before we go to the emergency room. So talk about his last day at home and did he know? Because I'm one of those people who believe souls know, young or old, um, and all of that. And um, he he didn't, when I went to, you know, spoon feed him the medicine, he spit it out. And what he knew what he was doing because two days I had asked him, please take the medicine for mommy. And he swallowed it. But today he spit out the medicine. Um, he spit out the medicine, so he ended up making a mess, getting sticky. So I said, okay, now mommy's going to give you a bath. So I ran a bath water for him. Now he's complaining about his leg, but he's not even walking. He's not even getting, like, normally Noah gets up. He goes in the living room, plays with his toys, does his own thing. Says, come on, mommy, come out here with me. But he wasn't doing that, and he's this week home. So I, um... I, I run him a bath, but I put his toys in there, and I carry him like my infant again, talk about last bath, and he just lays out in the tub, and, um, you know, I wash him, and um, I let him stay in there for a while, and um, then I bring him out, I bring him out, bring him back into the bedroom, carry him like my baby, which I always did anyway, I never made him walk from the bathroom, but um, 
I lay him down and I clip his nails and his toenails. And he always gives me a hard time. Even when he was like regular comical, he gave me a hard time. But this day, he didn't give me no rebuttal. He just let me cut the nails and cut the toes. So then I said, mommy's gonna make pancakes. Do you want something to eat? So he goes, uh, he goes, yes, I'll take a pancake. So I'm excited because he's eating now. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make you some pancakes. And then he goes, and I want noodles. And then I said, you want noodles too? So then he says, yes. So I make the pancakes and I heard the noodles, but I'm like, okay, maybe he'll, cause he hasn't been eating. So maybe he'll just eat the pancake. When I brought him the pancake, he said, don't forget the noodles. So I said, okay, mommy's making you noodles right now. So I set him up in bed, he got his, no, I asked him, you want to eat in the bed or you want to eat at your table? So he says he want to eat at his table and he gets out the bed. So now it's like, I'm looking at his dad like, oh, he's walking. So he sits at the table. And he eats, I, I said, maybe a little bit of the motion kicked in because even though he spit it out, maybe he got a little, you know, phase of energy. So he he um, he sits at his table. He eats, you know, half, half of the noodles, half of the pancake. I got his cartoons on. Then he, he lets me take him out because normally I have a chair next to his high chair so he can climb in it himself. But I help him out. And then he, the patio door is open in my apartment. So he goes outside. And he's like, come on, daddy, let's play basketball. But his dad's like, oh, son, you know, I'm getting ready to go to work. So he don't play. So I say, mommy, come outside with you. So he tries to get on the bike. He don't know how to ride a bike yet, but we have a bike out there for him. Yeah. So he gets on the bike and then he comes back inside and he says, come on, mommy, color with me. Let me feed you. Because I got him play foods and stuff. So I eat with him and I sit because, again, I'm pro my child. So whatever he asked, I was going to do it, you know? So um, after that, I think we spent a good... 30, 45 minutes together. We colored. He fed me fake food. I told him I love him. And then he started crying again. And so as mm-hmm. soon as he started crying again, I knew that the pain was back. Yeah. And um, I said, okay, we're getting in the cab. I put it because I just kept on his T-shirt after, you know, I bathed him. But now I put on his jeans and I said, we're going to the emergency room. Dad went to work, me and Noah. And again, it's just you and your kid again, right? Yeah. So, um... I took him to the hospital and we're waiting. We play with the little computer that they, you know, they have kids stuff in pediatrics. So we did that fishes coming into the screen. We mm-hmm. talked, we made Snapchat video where he recorded I'm grandpa. And <laughs> five hours later, I was getting agitated because it's like, okay, what's happening? Why are we still here? They, we took him to get x-rays and he was he's very gentle child, so very scary. So when you lay him on the bed, he's looking like, what the hell is happening here? So mm. I would explain to him, we're just gonna take pictures of your tummy right now and stuff like that. So five hours later, after I have my moment, like, excuse me, I need to know what's happening because I hear him talking about his skins and I hear him saying that his skins is okay. So why are we here, you know? And then they called me into the room, like the movie. So they called me into the room <laughs> and they're like, we're glad you brought him in today uh, because his his blood work resembles that of a leukemia patient. So I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And you know, you get the first shock. You're like, what? And yeah. they yeah. And I'm like, print that paperwork out. Let me see it. And they're like, no problem. We'll get it to you right now. So they come. And I'm making them break it down. So his white blood cell count was 254. And he said, average, it shouldn't be more than 15, especially for a toddler. Wow. His blood platelets was low. His iron was low. They was like, has he been sick often? He said, I'm like, no. They like, did, did you see anything? Only two in the week 
I had brushed his teeth and his teeth started bleeding. And um, that was a first for us. And I was like, oh shit, I got to brush his teeth more. I'm not being a good mother. That's the <laughs> but fast forward, that is a sign. The joint pain, yeah. the bleeding in the teeth, the fatigue, you know? And again, the decline was a week. No, no, it was very after, you know, jumping up and down, never tired, never like, never any of those symptoms because I was a mom that had eagle eyes on my kid, you know? Yeah. So down they tell me that and they say, well, we got to take him to a cancer hospital. So I'm like, okay, we could come back tomorrow. And they're like, no, you got to go now. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, so first, first, first people, it's mommy and daddy, because they, they also knew Noah was sick because I tell them, yeah, Noah's not feeling well today or whatever. You know, I do, I do share those things with them. So, I called my mom first and I started to water up a little bit. And I was like, no, you know. And then prior to this, um, I I had did a fast from February 25th to February 28th. Again, with my spiritual stuff. And, you know, when, when you fast, you're trying to hear from God, get clarity on your life, make the best decisions. And a random co-worker of mine that we don't even speak every day had texted me during my, on March 1st to be exact. And has said, <clears throat> you was in my dreams last night. You was going through it with the job. My deceased pastor gave you this prayer. And he said for you to say it three times. So she kind of gave me instructions. I don't think that's no coincidence. So I figure I'm asking God, what's next? Show me. And then somebody calls me and tells me this. They don't know that I'm fasting. So I did print out the prayer that she gave me. And I started praying it three times a day. And the title of the prayer was The Battle Is Already Won. So in my Mm. spiritual hindsight, on March 1st, when she gave me that, I said, okay, obviously a battle is on the way. You don't know what it is, but this is what I, you know, believe. So, and we know belief in life is everything, right? So I said, I said, okay, that means a battle must be on the way. So now with the cancer diagnosis and me processing this, I'm like, okay, this must be the battle. So I'm like, well, the battle is already won. That's what the prayer said. So we're going to get through this. So I never wavered in faith. I never seen death. And what's crazy is that. When I told my dad, my dad was like, nah, daughter, I don't feel good about this. And I was like, no, dad, it's okay. The battle's already won. And when I had to tell the select few that I told, because I'm not one that's going to go on Facebook and tell everybody to pray for me, because I pray. And yes, yeah. even though combined energies is a good thing, what's to be will be, you know? Yeah. So, like, I have, like, outstanding faith. I really believe in moving mountains and stuff. It's crazy. So, um... So I was like, I was telling him, don't worry, just pray. Don't don't think negative thoughts, you know, just be positive. He's going to be okay. My first breakdown at the hospital was when, and again, I'm a science girl. I've always been into biology and science and epigenetics and all this stuff. So when they were explaining everything to me and what type of cancer he had, which acute myeloid leukemia, which is most aggressive because those sticky cells, they develop and then they just take up space. They're not serving no purpose. So because they're taking up space, they're stopping his regular organs from doing what they need to do. And it wasn't even a situation of a stage one or stage two. This is just a rapid, aggressive cancer. So, again, if it started Monday and it's tripling and doubling by the the second, you know? Yeah. Anyhow, my first, like, crying, uh, the the nurses and the doctors, they were outstanding. They made me understand everything. They gave me a journal to write. One of them hugged me because I was like, okay, if you put the bed down, just let him know you're going to put the bed down so he won't be scary. They had him on like um, 
I remember this machine too. I was just reading this yesterday. But the machine is like a dialysis machine. And it's okay. built to the blood, which is going to knock down some of the white blood cells. Because with chemotherapy, things need to be at a certain level in order for them to start the process. Yes. So the goal was to knock some of those white blood cells out and, um, and get his blood at a regular level so that they could start therapy. No one ever made it to chemotherapy. Again, they had to use this big vein over here to put it in his neck. I didn't want to see it. I was like, no, I'm going to be right back. I'm going downstairs. He said, mommy, don't leave me. I said, oh, shit. He said, mommy, don't leave me. I said, oh, shit. I'm staying right here. So I had to endure that. Um, his dad was there with me, but because of COVID, there was only one of us allowed in the room. So he mm. was actually downstairs at the Ronald McDonald's house. Shout out to them because that was outstanding too. Never knew those kind of things existed, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, I watched it and, uh, and I wrote about it and I was definitely in my feelings because like he was turning around when he seen him, he was a smart kid. So when he seen the doctor come in the room with the machine, he started turning around talking about, I want to take a nap. I want to take a nap. Mommy, I got to pee. The doctor was like, uh, so we need to get him a urinal. I was like, he doesn't even use the bathroom, but he was trying to find any reason to get out the bed, you know? Yeah. So I enjoyed that. He made sure I was there because even while he was on the machine, he was like, mommy, I want some water. And making sure I was still in the room. I was very aware that that's what he was doing. So I gave him water and I kissed him and we FaceTimed him. And it, it was just, that was just annoying. The second time they put him on the machine, the blood ended up clogging the machine. Ooh. So I went, I finally went downstairs the Sunday night. I mean, that was Saturday. Sunday was a good day. I never really left his side. I went in and out, you know, occasionally, but like breakfast, coffee, you know. Yeah. And since the Ronald McDonald house, they had the shower and stuff, I did go over there to wash up and refresh. You know, you got to wash off that energy and back up. So when they, when they, they, they decided that, his belly started to get swollen. He was getting agitated. He started yeah. to pull, try to pull things off. They had to put the sock on him. He said, mommy, somebody hurt me. He pointed to the nurse, she did it, get out. <laughs> he said, come on, mommy, let's leave. I said, we can't leave. He said, are you kidding me? I said, oh man, you know, we gave him cocoa melon on the YouTube. And um, yeah, that was like, they was like, you know, chemos. And then I asked the doctor when they explained the chemo. So I'm gonna have to watch his hair fall out and he's gonna get skinny, like the stuff we see on TV. And they like, yeah. And then I was like, you know, dry gulp. Because that chemo is a lot. You're gonna break everything down. And again, I'm a holistic kind of girl. So it was like, well, we don't have no other alternatives, you know, than, than something so abrasive. But they was like, you know, these are the plans. You know, doctor talks, these is, this is the paper. They, they gave me the breakdown and everything. So it was like, whew, came outside. I was like, all right, God. And somebody was like, it's a meditation room on the second floor. I was like, okay, that's a sign. I'm gonna go down there and get some stillness, you know? Cause they decided that they was gonna, um, induce him to put him at rest because yeah. the belly was getting big and he was getting agitated and they wanted to make him kind of comfortable. Let, let, me so, just jump, let me just jump in for, for a hot second because like with, with Amy's comment here about, about you being strong, I was thinking about by the time when Olivia, your cousin Nick, hit her in the head with a scooter and she oh, had a big gash. She yeah. had a big gash on her head. And I remember bringing her to the emergency room to get stitches. And the doctor had to hit her with the Novocaine oh. and you know, they had to put it right in and Olivia let out this cry 
of just utter pain. Mm. And it still chokes me up to this day, just mm. hearing that. And as I'm listening to you tell this story, I'm like, just, Amy's right. Like, just the amount of strength oh, and just how convicted you are in your faith is absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I mean? It's like, I, it's like I break down thinking about my kid getting stitches. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and you find out your son has leukemia and he's going through all, all these hardships and yeah. just... Oh, sorry. I just had to bring that up. Go ahead. Continue. Oh, it's okay. So, yeah. So, you know, I, they put him to sleep. Weird. I asked the doctors before they put him to sleep. So, breath is life, right? So, where does his breath go when you put him on the machine? And they're looking at me like, huh? And I'm like, I want to know. If you, guys are, if you guys are inducing him, where's his breath go? And they're like, no, his breath is still there. It's just lightly... You know, it's like faded out and, and the machine aids in his breathing. And I'm like, okay, I never, I thought Monday we was going to start chemo. I didn't get no freaking flashing warnings, no feelings, no nothing. They mm -hmm. called me when I was at that Ronald McDonald house and he was like, we need you to come upstairs. I was like, oh, shoot. Mm -hmm. They was like, his heart dropped twice. Um, His heart dropped twice. And we don't know. And again, they was the, the energy was reading like it's over. So mm -hmm. I had a mommy moment. That was like, uh, he doesn't need this kind of energy around him. I was like, you guys are giving up on my baby already. Say no, we'll live. And they were like, I, we can't say that, sis. Cause, and I get it, doctor. We can't say he's going to live and then he don't live. But I'm like, yeah. faith is everything. If you guys don't believe it, then y'all need to get out. So then he was like, do you want us to call somebody? My brain is scrambling. I'm like, okay, God, what's happening? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, his father's downstairs. So I'm like, call his father. And I'm like, you better get on your knees and pray. And I'll call my mom and I call my dad. And I'm like, they're giving up on Noah. And then I'm looking at him. And then dad starts to pump because, you know, once they try to resuscitate twice, they don't want to do it no more. And stages of grief, it's blame. Cause it's like, I brought my baby in here in one piece, but no, I really didn't. And even one time when he was talking to us at the round table, the doctors did say, your child is sicker than what he looks like, you know? And um, I just, I was just like, I was just like, this is it. Then I got on my knees and then I begged God, don't take him from me. And then I, in that moment, accepted the reality that he might be leaving. And when I had to accept that reality, I, I threw up twice. Mm -hmm. You know, it was random, but it was from the pits of your belly, you know? Yeah. And um, just white stuff, no food or nothing. And then I just sat on the floor because at that point, you are uh, you, you what can you do? You know, it's I mean, again. No coincidence, two weeks before this, I was just reading the book on different levels of energy and I stopped on the chapter of grief and mm -hmm. I was talking about grief. I mean, I was reading about grief because I'm a book reader. So, and I'm always, I like to read, I'm not really into like the fairy tale story books because that's yeah. what we got movies for. So any book that I read is more so informative or, you know, teaching me something that I don't know. And, um, you know, I just, Dad pumped the chest, and then I said, just let him go, and, you know, because it don't make no sense to keep forcing, 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 and it's not it, and it's, 
that's yeah. when you that's when you have full surrender not my will but yours because technically i didn't plan noah he was a gift to me you know i mean i was being fresh but you know i didn't actually i wasn't planning for to have a kid you know yeah and um <laughs> the lord gives and the lord takes away and um i am one of those people who you can't just have throw your faith away when things don't work your way because that's just not how faith is you know sometimes yep. things happen that you don't understand and so now after the fact the whole thing is connecting the dots and putting the pieces together and what's next you know for my life i was a school safety agent well i still am currently but i'm just on leave right now for 14 years but if i know anything for sure i know it's not meant for me to go back in that direction Yes. Because the goal was working on how to get out that box so that I can spend more time with my kid because I love the idea of being a mom and I didn't want us to be in this box life where I'm away from him for 40 hours and 80 hours living from check to check and we're not really getting the real fulfillment of life because I really believe life is to be enjoyed, you know, and even though, yeah, we have to work and we have to pay bills, but if the experience is to be enjoyed. It's not supposed to be a struggle or the survival, like the whole way through, you know? Yeah. yeah. So now in today's time, you know, I woke up this morning. Oh, Noah did visit me. Noah visited me early this week. Again, a firm believer of life after death and this, that, but never had that experience. Well, today I can say I had that experience. I posted it on my Facebook. If I could put it in human understanding, it was almost as if he was a hologram. I was only able to see him because a white light was shining Yeah, with his presence. But he told me it's okay. And he told me he loved me and he loved daddy and he gave me a kiss. But for me, it wasn't even a dream because I didn't, I'm a dreamer at heart and I yeah. kind of have premonitions and visions, but I didn't go anywhere. He came to the bed in the house, you know? Yeah. And um, I I know it was real. I woke up the next day and was able to pack up some of his toys. I threw away his walk-up because I was always saving stuff for another kid. But, um, you know, the house is still kid-friendly. But that morning, the next morning, this was like Tuesday or Wednesday night. The next morning, I got up and I... I started packing things and I was joyful because it was like, oh, okay, I still, I still do have access to you because that's the thing when you lose someone, which I'm yeah. recognizing. I mean, the rest of my life, I'm going to miss my son. Even if I have more children, I'm still going to miss him because he had impact in my life. Absolutely. But to some degree, I still have access to him. Now I said to myself, if I never seen him again from just that alone, I was, I'm going to be okay. You know, I'm not going to be, come to me, come to me, trying to channel him in every day because that's not, that's not living either, you know? Yeah. This morning when I woke up, I, I have the patio, so I open the door and soak in the sun. And I say, good morning, no. And I say, I miss you. And then I say, but today is a new day because it's all, it's all in mind. You can't think about what would have been or what was. You have to see today. And then look, yeah. you asked me to talk. And when you asked me, I was lit up because I think I'm called to do this, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. But we, you got to take me through that funeral. But before we get there, okay. and unfortunately, I, I do have to kind of end on time because I have to go pick up my kids. Okay. But about, like, I would hear people talking about, like, oh, so-and-so who passed away came to talk to me in, in my dreams. I'm like, you're crazy. Right. But since dad died... It's happened four times. Amen. Four times. And yes, like, right. and, and you wake up and it's like, 
that felt way too real. Too real. Like, way too real. Facts. You know, it's like, because I was struggling, not not really struggling, but just tossing around the idea of doing that debate show that I started this with. But it's like sometimes, you know, when you talk about controversial topics, you know, people can yeah. blow up your reviews and, you know, like all, all the, like if you're on the wrong side of yeah. their, of what they think you should be on, people attack. And it's like, do I, do I want to subject myself to that? And I was thinking about that before I went to bed. And then I had a dream and he's like, don't let fear stop you. Amen. And that's, like, if that's something you want to do. He's like, then you do it. That's and right. you just accept what comes. That's right. And then I got up that next morning. I made that graphic. And I was like, you know what? Game on. Game on. You know, game on. Right. But now, so now let me just tell you from those of us who, who were also at the funeral. So now we have, we have the, the, the program. Obituary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Right. So we're going through and we see your name given the eulogy. Right. And I, I went to my mom. I was like. How the hell is she going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and mom was like, I have no idea. You know, yeah. cousin Gina too. Was, she's like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wrote you know? it. Who better yeah. than me? I asked <laughs> this whole service. My friends were like, crazy. I was like, no, I'm not. This is what I'm called to do. I know I can do this. They were like, she's crazy. We're getting a pass up there. I was like, um, I was like, okay, fine. I accepted it because they think you're good, you're loopy, you just lost your son. Don't know what you want to do. And it's like I never, I never met Noah, unfortunately, but I couldn't even look into the casket. Like I, I couldn't do it. Met him at Grandpa's funeral. At your. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. People were all coming out left yeah. and right then too. So all right. So I did. All right. So that that's good. But 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 let's say but I couldn't I couldn't even look into that casket. I know. You know what I mean? It's like, like, just, just take, take me through how you were able to do that the way you did. So, so that morning, um, I woke up, I woke up early and I'm not an early, early riser like that. I mean, besides for work, but I said, I woke up like five something. Yeah. Ain't no way you waking me up. So mommy won't be late, huh? And, um, (laughs) I went on the roof. It was pretty because I, I, you know, I live on the rooftop. So it's pretty dewy outside, but I went out there and I said, okay, God, Today's the day you give me the strength. I said, Noah, you give mommy the strength. Again, because of my spiritual beliefs, my son has already transcended from the hospital. So at this point, he is his body, and I know that, and I understand that. Like I said, see, this is the thing with me. When you really tapped in spiritually like that, because, right, we all have a human emotion. So I'm going to have the same human experiences but I'm not going to hold on to them as much as others might. Like I have some mm-hmm. friends that be like, I was mad at God for two years. I, that be, That's because you were still strong in your will. Yeah. But what having Noah, me wanting to be the, I had the theory of this soul chose me. So if this soul chose me, whether it was to teach him, to nurture him, for whatever reason, God, show me how to do it your way. Because... I'm, I'm pretty clear that a lot of dysfunction in adulthood starts from childhood traumas and not necessarily because it doesn't have to be bad trauma, but just remembering yeah. how your parents did it and maybe they didn't do it, you know, in the most smoothest or peaceful ways. So my goal was to bring peace to his life, not freaking turmoil, you know? Yeah. And so I love that. I'm const- constantly 
asking God to show me how to do it, to just let me be in your light. Let me lead with love, period. That's yes. how I live my life. I done seen darkness. There's a lot of sad and hurt people out here. So to the best of my ability, I always try to lead my life with love. You know, not jealousy, not fear, not anger, not malice, but love. Because at the end of the day, that's it, right? Yep. So I, when my family, I know that my mom was sad. And again, it wasn't a me trying to be strong for them. At heart, I am a buffer. Yep. I'm a peacemaker. I'm a Libra. Like, I'm not big on astrology, but these things are true to my characteristics. Yep. I am the one who... I'm not a people pleaser, but if I can add a smile or make you happy or make mm -hmm. you see a different way, then yeah. I will try, you know? And so when everybody met at my house with the limos and stuff, I know my mom was sad. My brothers and sisters were sad. I, my niece, the one who Noah was always with, the way she boohooed was unexpected. You knew, like, she's, she's, th she was, she's three because her and Noah was six months apart. So she just made three in January. Okay. The, the, them makes me seeing them cry made me sad because it was like oh snap and they have understanding you know but when yeah. everybody came in the house I said this is a celebration no wouldn't want us sad Noah was very um emotionally sensitive so sad in front of Noah wouldn't be the answer I'm emotionally sensitive I don't like people sad in front of me I don't really know if I'm an empath or not but probably so according to the definition of how we can feel other people's energies you know yeah I said, everybody, we're going to celebrate. We're going to be happy. You know, Noah was not for sadness. Noah was for happiness. So let's just be happy. And going up there and reading it, I mean, those were words I wrote myself about my kid. Because, right, sum up his life in two years and who he was. And then what I feel like my kid added to my life. And like I said in the, the little speech that I said, in hindsight, all the things that I was striving to give to Noah, Noah came to give to me. And it was pretty much trust and surrender. And because I was um, anti-relationships and I was anti-love because people let you down, they disappoint you. Mm -hmm. And then because I got that baby, this kind of opened the door for me to give his dad a chance. And then, and then just having another understanding that people are going to make mistakes, but it doesn't mean you stay closed, you know? Because I was definitely close to intimate relationships. And so my baby kind of opened my heart back up for that. Because I can love everybody else and then stay by myself. But maybe God is like, sis, you don't need to be by yourself. You have a lot of love to give, you know? Yeah. So love it. See, and I had to tell that to your father, you know, after dad passed. Because mm -hmm. he, took, he took it very hard. And remember at his memorial... Like I heard some, you know, chattering about like how's how's Robert doing? How's Robert doing? How's Robert doing? You know, and like when I walked in, I was all smiles. Right. You know, like it's like what what hurt me was seeing seeing my mom. Right. You know, just seeing my mom because I because like Dad always said that he didn't want to live to like if he couldn't build. You know, right. like it, like if he couldn't be who he's always been, and he's he said that he said that in his late forties, he said it in his fifties, in his sixties, in his seventies. You know, so so he he went the way he wanted to, so that makes me happy. Yeah. You know, it's like not having him here in the flesh. Yeah, that sucks, mm -hmm. but but that that's selfish of me, right? You, you know what I mean? So like, if I put it all on me, that that's selfish. Like he. He it's went the way he soul. wanted to. That's his own life. That's yeah, exactly. like the last thing he did before he went to the hospital was he and CJ fixed my mom's car. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like he he couldn't have asked for a better ending. Right. You know what I mean? So he he suffered some, 
but right. it's not like he was completely bedridden for four years and just right. slowly deteriorated. Right. You know I mean, so it's like when I talk about him and talk about that journey, it's like, yeah, when it was initially fresh, I couldn't do it without breaking down. Yeah. And then even now, like, you know, I get teary. It's like, I'll get choked up a little, but it just does my heart well that he was able to go the way he wanted to. That's right. And it sounds like for you, and this is just my own interpretation, that you needed you needed a, a reboot. Yeah. You know? And the birth of, of Noah yeah. gave you that reboot. Yep. And it's almost like he served his purpose. And he said, my dad. He's back home. That's right. He said, and he disclaimer, because I know you said we got to end on time. He, you, I, he, I actually sent Olivia to pick up the kids. Okay. He was saying, mommy, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. And he would be looking. And I told you he was emotionally sensitive, but I don't see who's coming. So I just say, okay, kid. And um, I, I can be at ease with he didn't suffer. Because even those four days in the hospital was agitating, but it wasn't suffering for him. Yeah. And like you said, purpose. Um, same thing. I realize uh, we all have our own soul purpose. Yeah. We all have our own reasons why we're here. I don't care the science. My mom and my dad wanted me, and then I was born into this life. This is what I realized. My mother has seven kids, and each of us is walking a different path, yet we all had the same tools. Why yes. is that? Yes. Because every soul has a yearning for something that's specific to just them. Yeah. So if Noah's sole purpose is like, yeah, God, I'm going to go down, put some joy in their life, <laughs> wake mommy up a little bit. And then he said she got it in two years and nine months. Two years and nine months. And it was like, mommy. You're ready. And I say daddy too, but you know, you always make it personal because he came from me, but obviously it was fulfilled, you know? Yeah. I have no regrets about my motherhood. I never regretted Noah. And I know that I, I never put work before him. I never put bills before him. So I, I can sit with that, you know, I can sit with that and I can, I'm thankful that I have the ability to try again. But I do want to like take genetic testing and stuff. And I also don't want to try again just to be in this same situation. We have to change it. Because, yeah, it's easy to have another baby. But then what? Go back to work and be in the same stuff that I was trying to get out with Noah. So it's kind of like you said, the reboot, the clean slate. My kid was the sacrifice, you know? Yes. For yeah, the good. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a completely different different um, point. But it was like when, when the gyms got shut down last year. And it, it pushed me into doing this. Right. And this is going very well. And I really like doing this. And yeah. here I am in my spare bedroom. Yeah. And, I, and you know, we're being listened to in 20 different countries. Nice. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So it's like, if that event didn't happen, mm-hmm. this probably wouldn't have happened. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, as long as you take that, that pain. And one thing I say in all of my speeches is that your pain is your power. Amen. Right. And, and it's either going to power you in a in a negative way or it's going to power you in a positive way. And you so get, it, it's right. up to you to choose how you want to use that power. Right. And like and, and I told you that day at the funeral that that story can change lives. Like what you just shared can change lives. OK, absolutely. Because there's someone right now who's going through what you're going through and they don't know how they're going to navigate it. But you're centered enough to where you can say, hey, listen, this is what 
I used. You know, these are the steps I took. Right. And then they can kind of feed off of your strength to help develop their own. Right. Yeah. And that's that's how, how you do that. Like when people have injuries, you know, I have a seven inch scar on my knee and mm-hmm. I always hike up my leg. I was like, you see this? Like I was told this and this and here we are. You know, so it's like I could say, oh, well, this happened and I had to rehab for a year and a half and I missed this event. I missed that event. Like that's not motivating anyone at all. It's like, yeah, this happened. It sucked at the time, but this is how I got through it. That's that's the power. That's right. I know. And and that's why I wanted you to share to to share this. And, you know, thanks for doing that last minute. Like I got I got notice at 1010. That my eleven o'clock guest canceled. That's my birthday today. Ten ten. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, but that's when I got the notification that that he canceled. And at first, I was just gonna do another solo one, like I did because the guy on Wednesday canceled as well. (laughs) So, but but then I was I was like, you know what? I was like, let me see, let me see if she's available. Right. And and you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's cousin Jill giving us more love, more love. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this this was great. So give us a give us a final word. Like so, it, you know, to de- you know, to, if you were to talk to someone who went through something similar or they're going through something similar, what are your words of advice for them? I would absolutely say the loved one that you lost, right? Yeah, you miss them and you want them back or whatever, but you still have life. So don't stop like you're going to because you're still here. You know, you have to keep going. You have to keep living life because you still have life. And when it's unbearable, I'm a pro mantras, affirmations, online, music, music therapy. I freaking sing in the house to myself. (laughs) But do that. Got a microphone right here. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> do the things that make you feel good. Like me, before I had Noah, I knew me. I, I was I was okay with being me and by myself. So now that Noah's gone, even though the supermarket is a trigger, walking through the neighborhood without him is a trigger, the train station is a trigger, I still know my life like and who I am before Noah was here. So it's just getting back to that. But making a new version of myself, you know, with that love that Noah left behind. And I say the same for everybody. You can always find a light. You can always find a light if you choose to look for it. Does it make sense to stay in the dark because you still have light? You know? Yes. Yep. And you tell you tell the stories. Yeah. You know, like that's that's how you keep the spirit alive. Like like I tell stor- stories about my dad practically daily. You know, I mean I had forty I had forty five years with him. Yeah. No, know what I mean? But even in two years, nine months, there's still a, a lot of stories that he left behind. He did, yep. You know, and you keep telling those stories. And and again, you you use those stories to inspire other people. And that's that's how honestly, that's how you beat death. That's how you that's how you get immortality. Take something you know, up. As, as I said, dad, he's not here in the flesh, but told you, I tell the stories all the time. All the time. And there's things that he's he's made, like in my gym, our climbing wall, he made that. You know, there's a bench he made. There's a display case that he made. There's right. things that, that he did here here at the house. Like, you know, and just, just going back home to visit mom and yeah. just, you know, walking into his garage. Just walking into the garage, there's just full of memories. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, like when you step into that positivity, it just makes it 
that much better. And CJ just wrote, he still uses his tools. Exactly. You know, it's like, that's how, that's how you, you keep the spirit of that person that, that was lost alive. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, again, thank you. Thank you very, very much. You didn't break down. I'm proud of you. I didn't. Right. There were a couple of times my eyes got glossy. I'm like, how am I about to cry? And she's not. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, nice. Nice. All right, and then we'll we'll connect again. Actually, don't sign off. Like we'll we'll um we'll we'll connect again, and we'll uh talk about moving forward. Okay. With us uh, speaking for you. Okay. Yep. All right. I'll be right back. All right. So that was my niece Shante. We had a lot of engagement on this one. So thank you all for tuning in. If you join join late, go go back and rewatch this. I know I say this every show, but it's true. Every every person I bring on this show is absolutely amazing. It's not just because she's she's family. So like what she she went through with her her two year old almost two year old getting cancer passing away and her picking up the pieces and moving forward like this this was a powerful powerful episode so like I said if you joined in late go back and rewatch and so I'll be back on Sunday that would be episode eighty seven this is eighty six right yeah so that'll be episode eighty seven and. By the end of this month, we'll have 99 episodes. So then we'll be starting June with number 100. Like, who would have thought? And again, and this all this all came to be because the gyms got shut down. You know, so it's it's all about it's all about your attitude. When things happen to you, what you gonna do? You know what I mean? So on that note, have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster. On Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.